Good morning. How many of you have been following Jesus for more than 20 years? Look at that. Amazing. How many have encountered Jesus in the last five years? Two years. Great. You know what? This is a house of miracles. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, I look back to when I first came to Christ. I'm standing here as a miracle. You're a miracle. I look at my life and I think, oh my God, only you could have done what you have done in my life. Let's give him thanks for what he's done in your life this morning. Amazing, amazing. So good to be here. So just great to be able to fellowship with you all this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have done a work in us that has begun, that is ongoing, that you will bring to completion. And you promised you will bring it to completion. But Lord, we acknowledge you need our cooperation. So as we surrendered on that first time to you and to your lordship we continue to surrender again today and we want your word to be at work in us we thank you that you're working all things together for good you're restoring us you're making us whole it's an ongoing process and we invite you to continue that today as part of your miracle working process that only you can accomplish in our lives in Jesus name amen Whoa. My dad woke up one morning with a song on his heart that he felt should open the service at church that particular morning. So he got on the phone, rang our minister, and shared with him. Our minister was also a very close friend of our family. Now, you've got to remember, this was a Baptist church in the early 70s, and there was, a, an, or, there was an order of service that did not change. My dad was a deacon. He was the organist and choir director. His wife was battling breast cancer at the time, and he had recently been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I'll never forget my dad standing up and sharing on that Sunday morning, what he felt God had put on his heart before his beautiful baritone voice began to sing something beautiful, something good. All my confusion, he understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and pride. But he made something beautiful of my life. I'll never forget that morning when my dad dared to step out through his brokenness and touch the hearts of people with hope in their brokenness that Sunday morning. Our state of brokenness began in a garden where the world broke and humanity became fractured, twisted, and broken forever. And Romans 5 
verse 12 in the New International, in the New Living Translation, we read these words. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone for everyone's sin. All of us are sinners. We're either saved by grace or awaiting salvation by God's grace. We live in a broken world with other broken people. And we despise our brokenness because it makes us look weak or less than to everybody else. We're still, we pull back from revealing this emotional pain within us because it just reinforces the fact that we look weak and powerless to ourselves. And so what do we do? We grow up and we develop all kinds of strategies to cover up. Did you know that we all wear makeup? We all put on makeup because we don't want to wake up. We cover up so others won't see. However, our brokenness has a way of leaking out. And when it does, we hate it. Leonard Cohen of Hallelujah fame also wrote a song called Anthem. You might know it. The chorus says, ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. See, we're so busy with our brokenness, trying to put it all back together, putting on our makeup so that we look perfect to everybody else. But we need to know that in our brokenness, where the light of Christ can shine through and offer hope and healing and restoration to us all. Let's turn to Psalm 147. Psalm 147. Grab your device, grab your Bible, grab something and turn to Psalm 147. You're even allowed to pretend you're turning to it. Psalm 147. This is the second of five psalms that conclude the end of the book of Psalms, all 150 of them. And this final doxology of psalms is written after Israel most likely has returned from exile in Babylon. And they're back in Israel and, and the psalmist is encouraging them to energetically praise God for what he has done in restoring them back to the land. God has brought them home. Many of them had struggled emotionally while they were in exile. They could do nothing about it. The time was set. They will be in exile for a set period of time. But now in God's timing, they've come home. And the psalmist reminds them that God understands. Let's read these first seven verses. Praise the Lord. Well, all you need to do is say praise the Lord and, and a bunch of Christians will erupt into rapture and praise and yes, hallelujah, and the meeting's gone. 
how good it is to sing praises to our God. Oh, you've lost the meeting again. That's it. How pleasant and fitting to praise Him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name, Pleiades, Matariki. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. The Lord sustains the humble, but casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with grateful praise. Make music to our God on the harp. So we learn from this, God is saying, I'm a God who's not far off, but close by. I'm one who heals the brokenhearted, verse 3, and bandages your wounds. Theologians talk about the transcendency of God. He seems to be otherworldly. He seems to be outside of our world, so great, so magnificent. How could he understand feeble humanity? But then in the same breath, the theologians talk about the imminency of God. The closeness. The one who came near to us. Jesus, our Emmanuel. God with us. God with you. And summed up, you can say it's like this. He is the God most high who is the God most nigh. The transcendency of God and his Glorious beauty and splendor and power. And yet he's our Emmanuel, the one who put flesh on, came close to us. We also see here that God is not unsympathetic. Again, he heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. The Lord restored Jerusalem physically. He allowed its walls to be rebuilt when they were broken down and they lay in ruins. And Nehemiah, if you're familiar with the Old Testament, walked through those ruins with a vision in his heart that God had put there to see those broken walls restored. Emotionally, he healed their brokenness from the effects of Israel, of, of exile, not Israel, exile. And Jesus said in Luke 4, that this scripture has been fulfilled in him when he quoted from the book of Isaiah as he stood on that day and read from the scroll. Because he came to build us up. He came to restore us so that we could enjoy loving him and living life with purpose and discover that it's okay to get up and not put on makeup to get up and be able to be vulnerable and open with others so that we can discover His restorative power in our lives. We also learn from Psalm 147 and verse 4 and 5 that God is not limited in power. 
He determines, verse 4, the number of the stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. Do you ever get to the end of your understanding? Like, I'm trying to understand this. How can this happen? How can, how can that happen? Why, why, why? And we just get to the end of our understanding. But God, his understanding has no limit. The God who oversaw the rebuilding of the broken down walls of Jerusalem is the same God who can rebuild your broken walls. Jesus can heal your past so you can live in the present and in the future he has for you. He's a miracle-working God. All he requires is that you surrender. And in the words of Jeremiah, you put yourself on the potter's wheel and you let him begin to shape and mold you. And sometimes the pressure of his shaping hands is not comfortable. We also discover that God wants to heal you on the inside so you can reveal him on the outside. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, we read these words. Let your light shine before others. Oh, Lord, I'm not going to let my light shine. I am so broken. If people really saw the real me, people would not like me. People would not want to know me. So I'll continue to put on the makeup. I don't want to wake up, Lord. It's too costly. It's too painful. While we were church planting missionaries in the Netherlands, Dear friends gave us two little mugs. One of the mugs had a handle on it. The other mug had a little wee sort of hook that hooked around the other mug. And they said on the mugs, we'll always be the best of friends in Dutch. We brought these little mugs back home. They weren't anything flash. They were just bought from, you know, the warehouse or somewhere like that. But they were special because of who gave them to us. And they occupied a place in our bathroom on the windowsill. So each morning as we showered and uh, put on our makeup, <laughs> these little mugs were always there to remind us of these dear, dear friends. They still actually live in the Netherlands. They're Kiwis. They were the directors of Youth with a Mission in the Netherlands for many years. And then one morning I opened the window and I knocked the mugs and gravity took over the rest. No! As they tumbled down and I couldn't get to them in time and they smashed on the floor. One was more worse for wear than the other. I went and got the little wee dustpan and the brush and I was sweeping them up and I was just about to put them in the rubbish when a thought occurred to me I could try fixing them so I took the dustpan took it down to the garage put it on my workbench and left it there and later on I came and put them back together well they don't really look that great they're a bit ugly I should have brought them with me this morning to show you 
But do you ever feel that way? Broken? Like sort of put together? It doesn't look that good. So you put on the makeup to cover up your brokenness. And on the outside, everything seems just great, but underneath, you feel damaged, broken, set aside, or even thrown away. It's just too much effort to try and restore. And consumerism whispers to us, just get a new one. Except how do you get a new life? Oh, well, I've got an answer for that. His name is Jesus. He works miracles in the midst of our brokenness when we surrender to him. But oh no, the voices within us says that culture says you won't be perfect anymore. Don't let anyone see your imperfections. And this is how so many of us live in our broken world, even Christians, followers of Jesus. We live in our broken world with our broken families, our broken marriages, our, our broken relationships, our broken dreams, our broken lives. And somehow we're trying to, to live for Jesus in the midst of this. And everybody else at church seems they've all got it all together. They're smiling. They're happy. The worship team, well, they're just perfect. Because, I mean, look at them worshiping Jesus. I want to be on the worship team because that's how you become perfect. Sorry, worship team. The cracks in your life, your brokenness, is where the light gets in. The light of God in Christ who says that he came to bind up those who are broken. He then shines through us. Shines his love and his healing, restorative power. In Japan... They've made an art out of restoring broken things. It's an ancient practice called kintsugi. It means golden joinery. It's an age-old custom, custom of repairing cracked, broken pottery with gold. And it not only fixes the break, but it greatly increases the value of the piece. See, Kintsugi treats breakage and repair as part of the history of the object. Rather than something to disguise, it highlights it. Instead of hiding the flaws, the Kintsugi artist highlights them by creating something new and bringing distinctive beauty to the original piece. Are you feeling hope this morning? The pottery becomes more beautiful and valuable as a result of the restoration process. And each piece had a history of brokenness, but now it not only has a history, but a whole new story. And if you're a follower of Jesus, that's you and me this morning. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you've been and come to church this morning, you've come with a friend and, and this is all new to you, I want you to know that Jesus can heal your broken heart. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. When anyone is united to Christ, there is a new world. The old order has gone and a new order has already begun. That's the New English Bible translation, which picks up the, the ongoing tense of the original language. A new order has already begun. It's not finished yet. That will be completed when we see Christ. But it's already begun. Normal repairs of broken things try to make something as good as new. I remember my grandmother's porcelain Japanese doll that used to sit on the fireplace mantelpiece. And I was holding my little daughter, Amanda, looking in the mirror and at the mantelpiece, and she was gooing and garring, and this dad was all proud of his little girl until her leg pinged out and knocked the porcelain doll. And again, it was another... And the head just snapped off. So it was, pick up the piece. Two, it was only two pieces. Hid them away. Made an excuse to go down to the shop and get some glue. And put the head back on. She never knew. <laughs> she never knew. <sighs> See, the art of Kintsugi reinforces a profound belief that the repair can make things not only as good as they were before, but better than new. This is what Christ does in us. As we give him our brokenness, as we let the light of his life shine through our broken crack, Begin to restore us. You say, what? Better than new? Think on that for a moment. Better than new. You look at what the Kintsugi archists can do, and you think, my goodness, that is beautiful. If you saw the vase before that, when it was original and unbroken, and then you saw what it is after it's been broken and then restored, which one would you choose? Which one is now more valuable? Those of you sitting here this morning with your makeup on, I'm talking to the men too. When we let Christ begin to work in our lives and we give Him our brokenness, he begins to do something transformative that is a miracle that shows us just how valuable we are. When you've lost your grip and things come crashing down, there are lies that spin around in your mind and quietly whisper to the depths of your heart and you feel the need to hide the scars. You feel like the brokenness has rendered you useless in life. And you feel beyond repair. You feel tossed aside. You feel forgotten, shamed, rejected. Just sweep me up and throw me away. You ever felt like that? 
And it's into this brokenness that God's love in Christ breaks through. You see, you're never too broken for restoration. You're never beyond healing. And some of you think that, oh, well, I'm, I'm not that broken. I'm not that bad. I used to think that. I grew up in a wonderful family. I haven't got time to recount to you how God unpacked me and undid me and showed me my own brokenness. But your scars, when filled with His love, will reveal how valuable you are to your Heavenly Father. And while every deep crevice that lines your soul and every broken place in your life all have a history after God's love breaks in, they then have an amazing story to tell of one who's been restored by the miracle-working power of Jesus Christ. And when you allow God's love to shine through those ugly cracks of your perfect imperfections, you know you're not forgotten. You were made for more. You were made for purpose. We have a healer, a restorer of the broken heart, and he can take the broken pieces of our lives that no longer seem to make sense, and he applies the love of Jesus and fits us right into his perfect design. When we allow him to get to work, often unseen by others, mending and fitting together, creating a glorious work of art more than we ever dreamed possible. As I was preparing and pondering this message, I was thinking of the devastation that COVID has wrecked upon our world, upon our nation. Emotionally, some people are frazzled. People have lost their jobs. People have lost their health. People have lost loved ones. God comes into this to speak his healing words. He makes something beautiful out of our confusion, brokenness, and strife, so that they all have new meaning. Beautifully outlined, shining with grace through every scar and broken space. The love of Christ fills the cracks and the crevices of our heart, and we're stronger, we're healthier, and we're more beautiful than ever before. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11 says, He's made everything beautiful in its time. He can make you beautiful in His time. Will you surrender your brokenness to Him? It's only possible because Jesus took our brokenness into Himself. When He went to the cross, that we might have the hope of being restored. Because you see, Jesus is in the restoration business. And we need to get into the business too. Letting Him go to work on our broken, shattered, confused, and at times disappointed lives. And yes, you know, pastors have struggles. Just because your pastors stand up here week by week and lead and minister doesn't mean to say they have not got struggles. It doesn't mean to say they have to reveal all of that to you either. But 
because we're all people. Psalm 139, verse 14, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I need to remind myself of that continually. You might not feel that way because you know how angry you can be, how jealous you can be. You know how envious of others you can be, how you allow lustful thoughts to float around in your mind, how you lie so quickly to save face, how unforgiving you can be when you're offended. And yet through the broken imperfections of your life, the light of Christ is shining through with a message of hope. And he says, will you offer your broken pieces to me. You begin to cease comparing yourself to everybody else and allow the gold of my love to create something new and more precious than you could ever have believed. And I stand here as testimony today. That that works. The scars of life the healed wounds, the deep lines, they all have stories to tell, yet often we try to hide them away, preferring instead to present to the world a safe facade of who we are, a more perfect version. You see, because it's too difficult to risk the real vulnerability of exposing what once was or what still is. It's too But among those we trust, we can become vulnerable. Something beautiful. Something good. All my confusion, he understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and pride. But he made something beautiful of my life. Father, we praise you this morning. You are the God who brought your people back from exile. You're the God who restored the walls of Jerusalem. You're the God who restored the hearts of people. And you do it again today. As we surrender to you, continue to have your way. Continue to do your miracle work of grace through the love of Christ. So that we can just come and be vulnerable. People can see our cracks. But the cracks are filled with the gold of God's love. In Jesus that has worked a miracle in us. Thank you that, Lord, you see us as more valuable and precious. And every crack has a story. And as others look on our life, it gives them hope for theirs. So again, we surrender and say, your kingdom come. Your will be done in my life today. 
In Jesus' name.